Welcome to Lost in Roshar, the ultimate journey through the Stormlight Archive. I'm Christian. And I'm Jimmy. Today we are diving into the prelude of The Way of Kings Book One in the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. But we're also here to tell you about, you know, this podcast and what we're doing because this is our very first episode of Lost in Roshar. And I know I'm excited. Christian, you're you're nervous, right? Oh, I'm nervous. I've we've been talking about this for a while and we've been dotting out um i was gonna say dotting our t's and crossing our eyes and i think that's very telling for how i'm feeling at the moment but there's been a lot of build-up i've been wanting to do this for a while and i couldn't think of a better co-host than yourself jimmy how are you feeling about it today i appreciate it man i uh i'm feeling good me and you have always wanted to do something constant we've been talking about doing this kind of in in passing for what, maybe two or three years now since since, yeah. since we uh, we first met. And I guess we should kind of tell people, you know, how we met, which is through the Internet, through YouTube, because we both have YouTube channels uh, where mine is a very general kind of fantasy book, really fiction books. And uh, for the most part, reviews, your channel is actually centered around our topic of discussion, which is Stormlight Archive. Yeah, definitely. And that's where I really fell in love with the series once I started talking about it on YouTube you know when I first read this series as a lot of fantasy readers do they go online to see if what what else is out there what are people talking about are people explaining the things that I have no idea about and there was a little bit for Stormlight but I felt like there was there was a gap for me to step in and um, start saying things and through researching the series and making videos on it I just grew to love it even more but life has gotten much more busy and we're growing up jimmy we're becoming old senior citizens <laughs> um, <laughs> we really are yeah so the podcasting world felt good it felt like a good way to stay in rosha without um you know the hassle of visuals here we can just talk and be much more intellectual, wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to put it, the intellectual label on it, but what I will say is it is so much fun to theorize, bounce back and forth. There's a lot of details in these. For, and you've captured them wonderfully over on your YouTube channel, which is Lost in Discovery. Uh, for anyone who's curious, definitely go check out those videos, lore videos, theory videos, the whole shebang. Uh, you know, Christian has you covered. Uh, but here we're going to do something a little bit more relaxed. We're going to be going through a reread. This is a reread podcast, folks. So that means we are going to be talking about spoilers for all four published books in the novellas. And I'm sure at some point there might be some Cosmere connections that we, we chat about, but this is going to be primarily a Stormlight Archive uh, reread podcast. So what you're going to be getting for that is chapter by chapter analysis, lore deep dives, a ton of theories, and hopefully uh, as we get going, some fan interaction as well, where we hear from you and your thoughts on the series and maybe some potential uh, theories. But this is going to be a big passion project for both of us, and we're excited to have you guys along for the ride. Yeah, this is something I've wanted to do for a long time. You know, making the videos, I was always going back to the books. I was always looking mm -hmm. at old past chapters and trying to connect theories and things like that. But I've never sat down and said, okay, page one, let's do it all over again with all this background knowledge that I now have. <laughs> and I think this is the best way to do it because if you're just doing it um, solo, you don't it's not it's not it's not as good as bouncing ideas off um a friend and a fellow fan of the series and also and hopefully an audience uh <laughs> if anybody is listening <laughs> that is the hope right and yeah. 
and that that that'll be the cool thing you know once we uh have the fan mail set up you guys will be able to send in your ideas and thoughts and we can discuss those here on the podcast but christian you're you're essentially a scholar when it comes to stormlight archive i am a a casual enjoyer. I've read the series. I've read all four books and the novellas, uh, but you've definitely, uh, you've, you've di- uh, dived a little bit deeper um, to put it that way. And I also think that that's a cool balance because whereas I'm coming at it from reading hundreds of fantasy books, uh, I'm looking at certain things about the writing and the foreshadowing, the world building that I really enjoy. And then you have so much context for the connections. So I think between the two of us, I think we'll be able to put out something that people will enjoy listening to. Yeah, I hope so. And I, I do agree with you with the balance because um, you're much, much more widely read than myself. I'm not, I'm not um, ashamed to admit it. When I read a series, I go all the way and it's all George R.R. R. Martin's fault. This happened with A Song of Ice and Fire back in the day. I just could not get enough. I needed to know all the theories. Who's that character with the beard and the background with the scar? You know, I need to know these things. And um the Way of Kings and the Stormlight Archive is so good for that. He yes. loves to hide characters in there. He loves to foreshadow things. And, you know, once I sunk my teeth into this series, I couldn't get enough. And I think this is going to be the a really fun experience to actually be able to talk about every single chapter and not miss a beat, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully not. And and if we do, I'm sure the people will let us know. This is a great time to start this thing. Uh, you know, if you're checking this out right now, book four is out. Um, it is June of 2023. So we're going to be about, what, a little bit over a year away, maybe, from... Yeah from stormlight five so if you're looking to get back into the books and get ready for that fifth uh fifth book release we're gonna be going chapter by chapter we probably won't be caught up all the way uh by the time book five comes out but regardless you'll be you'll be immersed in roshar in the stormlight archive which will be great i think the special thing about stormlight and the thing that made me say yes to doing this podcast and being so in love uh with this series is that truly right now there is no other big fantasy epic going on right now. Obviously, A Song of Ice and Fire remains to be finished. We'll see if those books ever do come out. But this is like an ongoing project. We know it's going to be 10 books, book five being the end of the first arc. It just feels like something special. And to be here for the release of these books, it, it is something to behold and something that I think is rare uh, in today's world, especially whenever you're talking about fantasy series, because a lot of trilogies, a lot of duologies, maybe four books. We're talking about 10, 10 massive books, Christian. And we get to dive in chapter by chapter, uh, line by line, and pull out all of the goodies that uh, Brandon Sanderson has for us. Yeah. Sanderson's definitely at the center of the fantasy universe right now. He's probably the most exciting author in terms of it's kind of reaching the Cosmo is reaching that boiling point where it's like, okay, this is about to get adapted. This is already probably the biggest sort of fantasy book franchise, so to speak, because he's doing everything that comes with an adaptation, the merch and the conventions and all those additional things before he's even gotten adapted, unless you count like Kelsier and Fortnite. Um, (laughs) Beyond that, (laughs) there is no official adaptation. So it's sort of unprecedented times where it feels like anything's possible and this could become um, something even bigger than it already is right now. And I'm sure if we're still doing this by the time book five comes out, uh, we will stop all things to <laughs> dive into that book because yes, the anticipation is real. The anticipation yeah. spren are gathering as we speak. 
it is a thick cloud of those spren and yeah. we, we are we are very anxious for that fifth release because we know a lot of big things are going to go down but it all begins with the way of kings book one in the stormlight archive which we'll be going over the prelude today uh before we go into the prelude and, and we kind of give our thoughts and maybe some theories and things that uh we've caught now on this reread i wanted to ask you christian how did you come about the way of kings what got you here oh well i was um it was in 2017 and i was in the middle of i was about to move to london for a few years and as you do on a flight from australia you need to keep yourself occupied because it is a very long journey to anywhere from this country um and i had a friend who i um was reading a song of ice and fire with and we we're really obsessed with it and i was like man i need something new because you know i'm starting a new phase of my life i want to be immersed um, in a new place to kind of keep me company on this um, big next step of life. And he, without hesitation, was like, The Way of Kings, you have to read this book. And I went to the airport and weird, weirdly enough, it's not the it's not a book that you'd imagine being in an airport, but it was. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> don't know like whose idea it was. Yeah, just throw that there on like the shelf next to all the the crime books and the um soon the to James be James Patterson books yeah 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 exactly right and, I was, and it was there and um because I'm Australian it was the UK edition which is now sold in two parts but I have this volume which is one part it's a big doorstop of a book and I was like yes oh I know those type of books <laughs> this this looks good and um I did it did not click immediately for me which is it's blasphemous to say such a thing on a Stormlight podcast, but I did read maybe the first 300 pages and then I put it down for a couple of years because I think I was just at a time in my life where I was so consumed by my goings on of real life, so to speak, that I couldn't fully commit to it. And as you know, Jimmy, it's a massive world with starting any new fantasy series. There's new words, there's new lore, there's like... and stormlight itself roshar is a very alien place and unless you're willing to commit and buy into it it can be a little overwhelming and you know all i had read really was a song of ice and fire so maybe i wasn't ready um but it was a few years later that i thought you know what it's time to dust off this cover and go through it again and for whatever reason that time it clicked and once i reached the end of that book there was no stopping me so (laughs) Yeah, that's how I. That's that, that's my um, little story about how I started. How about you, man? How did you come by it? Well, um, I I did want to say, you know, you said this is such an alien world, and I think that it, that is the hurdle at first. There's a lot of lashing. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of capitalized letters that you don't think should be capitalized. Like, what is going on here in this prologue? What is going on with all of this word and this verbiage? And it takes a little time, but once you get into that alien world of Roshar. Uh, you find the humanity in it. And I think that's where it's it can click with you as a reader and suck you in. And clearly you got to that point. And it's so interesting that you were moving, you, you're going to London because I picked up the Way of Kings while I was moving. I, I was moving into a townhome, really big move. I was very stressed and I needed to escape a little bit. And I was looking for the next thick fantasy tome. I'm an avid fantasy reader. I'm always, always, always reading fantasy. And I said, it's time to, to see what the Wave Kings is all about. And I was very unsure how I was going to feel about it. Uh, and it turned out that it was exactly what I needed at that time because I was 
lost in Rochard. I said oh, the name, see, see I did it, uh, <laughs> but I really was. And I read it very slowly. You know, I'm someone who can read hundred to 200 pages a day on average. Um, I'm very strict about my reading time. I have to have it uh, to be happy, to be happy, Jimmy, uh, for everyone in my life. <laughs> but uh, I went through the way of Kings at a very slow pace. I think I read it over almost two months and was absolutely blown away by it. I loved it so much and uh, in more so words of radiance and then Oathbringer as well. And, that was it. I was I was sucked in and I'm just captivated by the magnitude of the series and the scope of it. And it's just one of those things where even if Brandon Sanderson's other works don't fall into my favorites, Stormlight has a very special place for me, which is why I'm super excited uh, to be doing this podcast with you, man. And it's that's it, interesting. We were both kind of in a transitional point in our lives. And, and yeah, that, it's weird. Sometimes the book reads you a little bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's oh, man poetry poetry in motion episode one just just lock it in and all Um, for free on your (laughs) on your podcast app it doesn't get much better than this folks (laughs) and just hearing those titles again words of radiance oathbringer i start to get excited but the thing is with the way of kings it's so grounded compared to those books think of oathbringer and the scope of that and just how big the world gets and we've got a whole like we're deep into the cognitive realm like there's a lot there but whereas the way of kings it's so focused it's so tight i don't think sanderson really misses a beat in this book and he's like planting seeds that will blossom nine ten eight nine um, book (laughs) in book eight nine going into the last book Mm -hmm. the seeds are planted right here and even in this very first chapter it's the prelude to the Stormlight Archive. It's not to the Way of Kings. It's the prelude to the 10-book series. So yeah. I was just drinking in all the knowledge that he's um, put into this first, what is that, four pages, five pages? Four or five pages, and there is some major stuff in here, and we're going to go into it now. We're going to be talking about the prelude for the Stormlight Archive. Once again, just want to remind people, this is spoilers. We might be talking about other books in this series as well. Uh, This is definitely intended to be a reread podcast. So uh, we are going to talk about the prelude of The Way of Kings, and I got to be honest, man, I read these books like now three years ago. I have forgotten quite a bit uh i i definitely had remembered the fact that the prelude sets up with the the heralds laying down their shard blades yeah uh, which is such an iconic image and shifts the entire history of this world uh really really crazy stuff and we get introduced to a lot of terminology here what, what, what did you think about the prelude jumping back into it what i loved about this chapter was how many things um, you see that you don't understand until many books later. I, that's just a very quick way to make me <laughs> um, enjoy a reread. And to be honest, it was really great to be inside of Kalak's point of view because Kalak we only see much later in Rhythm of War as Rastaris, the crazed man in the cognitive realm. So we see him four and a half thousand years later, completely mad, completely paranoid. But here we see him as a not composed, like he's still got that nervous energy, but we see him as a herald in those um, in those times where they were just part of Roshar. Um, so that was the most exciting thing to me, just seeing, being in that time machine and seeing what the world was like. It's the only time where, I, I believe, it's the only time where we're that far back in Roshar's history that's not a vision from Dalinar. Mm-hmm. I think this is the only time where you get the first-hand account. So that was the most exciting part for me. 
Yeah, forty five hundred years in the past, and yeah. and I kind of felt it, uh, especially whenever we I jumped in and read the prologue. But this uh, prelude introduces all these heralds, but we we start to hear about the torture that they're going through. And you're like, what in the world is he talking about? And he even has a an inner thought. Calic has an inner thought. He says, but I survived. Calic thought hand to breast as he ha- uh, hastened to the meeting place. I actually survived this time. Hmm. Yeah. So they're going through the battles, these desolations. And if you die, you go to Braze, this planet that Odium is ruling over, if I am correct. And they get they get tortured. It's not a great time over there. Um, so Kalex kind of like, oh, you know, it's over and I don't have to go back. So I'm going to meet up. I'm going to see who's left. What's our game plan after here? And then we see we, he doesn't he doesn't reach what he expects as he's going to meet up with um, Jezrin here. But no, class in classic me fashion, I had already stopped before this point because a line stood out to me um, when he was just kind of surveying the area. And he said, um, the book says, many of the bodies around him were human. Many were not. Blood mixed, red, orange, violet. And, you know, I was like, red, okay, that's human, orange, parshendi. And then I was like, huh, violet, violet blood. Have we seen that before? And I started to do some research. So violet blood, we've seen mentioned a handful of times, but it's more likely that Sanderson uses the word purple. But Purple, violet. I'm going to equate it to the same thing. Do we agree on that one at least? I, I will concur, and I yeah. am. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So, with a few things have been listed with violet blood or purple blood, namely chasm fiends, um, axe hounds. So any sort of crustacean, crustacean creature. I suppose that's not the Parshendi, but the one that I love the most were the Kremlings. The Kremlings were listed to have purple blood. And if you are a Stormlight fan, you know these Kremlings are very, very suspicious. Um, we have the race called the Sleepless, the Amians, and they are like a hive mind. They have little Kremlings or little creatures that um, can spy for them and transmit information somehow, and they can form into humanoid kind of beings. So... There, I'm like, okay, so were they at this um, last desolation here too? And then I started to think about the blurbs. I don't know if you know this, Jimmy, about the secret of the blurbs on the book. Oh, we're going deep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, This is where this is what happens when you read Stormlight. (laughs) So it's not on the back of my edition. Um, Maybe they're a bit more conservative on the UK edition. But if you check out the back of your copy, I have it right here. Yeah. There, let me quickly check. Can you um, let me know what your blurb says? I'll just cross-check if if you've got the right copy. It says, um, I long for the days before the last desolation, the age before the heralds abandoned us and the night's radiance turned against us, a time when there was still magic in the world, an honor in the hearts of men. Is this the correct one? Yes, this is the one. Okay. and we'll look at it a bit more in a bit, but I don't know where exactly, but Sanderson has confirmed this is written of from the perspective of the sleepless, these dudes made up of like Kremlings and everything. So this is actually them writing uh, the blurb. What? So that's where, yeah, yeah, that's where it starts to get more interesting. That is, is my- so creative. I love it. Yeah. 
that's why I was like, man, this episode, we just got to talk about the prelude because there's lots to talk about. <laughs> um, so if we skip down a little bit with that, um, so they, they're kind of reminiscing about these days we're reading right now in the prelude. And then he goes, in the war, uh, in the end, not war, but brick, but victory proved the greater test. Did our foes see that the harder they fought, the fiercer our resistance? Fire and hammer forge a sword, time and neglect rusted away. So we won the world, yet lost it. So that part, I'm guessing they were kind of cool with the heralds and the radiance and all of that. But, you know, the heralds abandoned the oath pack. Yeah. So that, I think that's basically what they're reminiscing on there. But now we get to this part, which is the most exciting part, in my opinion, because it starts to mention our main characters. So it says, um, now there are four whom we watch. The surgeon, forced to forsake healing and fight in the most brutal war of our time. The assassin, who weeps as he kills. The liar, who wears her scholar's mantle over a thief's heart. And the prince, whose eyes open to the ancient past as his thirst for battle wanes. One of them may redeem us. One of them will destroy us. Ooh. Interesting. <laughs> Have you, can you place who um, <laughs> each person is? Well, yeah. So obviously the first is a surgeon. Uh, I'm going to go with Kaladin. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we got Kaladin, right? Uh, second is assassin and murder who weeps as he kills. That is truthless. That's Zeth. Yeah. And the third is the liar, a young woman who wears a scholar's mantle over the heart of a thief, which is Shalon. Yeah. And the last is the prince, a warlord whose eyes have opened to the ancient past as he thirst for battle, uh, his thirst for battle wanes. And that is Adolin, right? No, that's Mr. Dalina himself. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you're right. I don't why do I think yeah. Adolin. He's busy wearing worried worried about his jacket color. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Ancient pasts. Yeah, not not yet for Adolin. No. no. Um but yeah, so okay. Um that's cool. But the coolest part is that there are now these guys we watch. So any Kremlin that these um characters notice is likely to be part of this hive mind that's spying on them for for whatever reason like i'm assuming they they're getting a sense that they're um, gonna become radiance um but beyond that why have they picked these guys uh to be watching i i guess that would be the only reason to know that they're becoming radiance yeah so that's something we can look out for in our um reread I love that. And one of them may redeem us and one of them may de uh, will destroy us. So will destroy yeah. us. Um, yeah, right. Mm. So in my mind, the redeem us is Kaladin. I know it's a bit on the nose, but I can't twist it to be anybody else. Kaladin does feel like the most honorable, righteous person that would be the savior in this story. It's the one right. who would destroy us. I'm a... The other three, it could be any of them. To be honest, Shalan, Zeth, and Dalina, it could be any of those three in my opinion. I feel like it's Shalan. Yeah? And here's so? why. So okay. uh, whenever we, you know, in a few episodes, when we actually get to chapter one, uh, part one is Shalan and Kaladin. Like it, it opens up and it says yes. Shalan and Kaladin are the POVs. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just curious in what order they're listed in, in the book. Because right. yeah. if Shalan is second, yes, <laughs> It, and she is part okay. one above silence, Kaladin, Shalon. Right. So I'm going to slot those in that order. 
into those roles. I think they Kaladin will redeem and one of them will uh, will destroy us and that could be Shallan. Right, okay. Well, Shallan is, yeah, she's a massive wild card. And, you she know, as, as we see, she can, like, you know, with the personalities, um, her choices can be erratic and questionable and that can lead to destruction. But... At the same time, the Sleepless, who show up a little bit in Dawn Shard, they show up a bit in Edge Tensor. I haven't gone too deep into it, but I'm fairly sure they do talk about Dalinar at one point. They're like, oh, yeah, the Bondsmith. Um, we, some of us like him. Some of us are worried about him. So I think... Oh, no. I think they could be concerned about Dalinar um, and if he... And his relationship with Odium. I think that's going to be the crux of like his destruction angle. Oh, um, okay. okay. But that's something that we can just kind of, you know, keep in our minds. Don't need to dive too deep now. But I think that's a lot of that's a fact that not many people know that those blurbs are written by the sleepless and um basically confirm the entire weird, creepy Kremlin spy network yeah. <laughs> in these books. <laughs> wow black ops uh, kremlings and th- and you know i i gotta be careful because i know on uh, in the streets you're referred to as christian kremling oh yeah um, uh that- christian the kremling um it's it's a little bit embarrassing that you're mentioning it now but let's get it out of the way <laughs> it's not as cool as like something like jimmy Stormblast, you know but oh, yeah. see you guys we're, we're thinking like how do we intro this podcast let's give ourselves little names and jimmy's like yeah i'll be jimmy Stormblast. uh you can just be like uh, christian safe hand christian kremlin <laughs> like what are these scraps <laughs> Jordan, well, you take. know Sometimes, sometimes you got to take that L. It just yeah. is what it is, man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so this all ties back to the fact uh, that you pointed out, and and I and I did notice this whenever I was reading through the red, orange, violet, talking about the bloods that are mixed. So your your belief is that the sleepless were at this desolation, and that their blood is the purple or violet blood. Um. Well, I think the most likely is that it would be chasm fiends. Um. But why not? Let's throw in some sleepers. Like I don't see why not because if he's lay, if Sanderson's laying them down as such like a a background plot, it would make sense that they would be in this um, prelude, like a little nod to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he had at this point decided, but it leaves it open to the fact that they could be there. Yeah, yeah. And he originally wrote this what two thousand three, I believe. So. You know, something he's worked on a long time. I mean, I even feel like some of the stuff that we get introduced to in this, including the safe hand, actually, we were joking about it, but it doesn't really matter too much later in the series. It doesn't feel like. And uh, this happens with a lot of fantasy series, by the way, like it grows on the author and like, you know, becomes a different thing. And sometimes stuff just gets lost. I think of Jamie Lannister being the warden of the West in a song of ice and fire book one and then never mentioned again in this really? yeah I didn't, know, I didn't even know that i think like the the title warden gets like ha- like ham fisted in later uh, at some point oh, but like they were supposed to be a really big deal and mm. it turned out that the wardens just weren't really a th- like didn't matter so yeah or like when Tyrion does like a backflip oh yeah we, that's another good one yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think that uh, like safe hand, for instance, that, that's something I always mm. think about. Like by book four, I don't think we're really too worried about safe hands anymore. Right. Um, no. no, no. Well, that's yeah, I do have the same. I guess it's a criticism um, where, yeah, there's a lot of the law. There's just so much law 
that um, it can't be mentioned all the time yeah. or that he just establishes it to the point that you just accept it and we don't really need to comment on it much more than that. Like, yeah, they have a safe hand and that's it. Yeah, for me, um, you know, it's kind of building out the culture, kind of yeah. like eyes, dark eyes and stuff like that. Mm. Um, it's, 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 it is good to build the culture out, but it's, it's a lot more surface level, I think, than it appears uh, at times, which is fine because there's also a lot of really in-depth stuff that he goes into with the Spren and Kremlings and everything else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and just Stormlight in general, right, is there's a whole other side of that that we're going to get to while we're doing this reread. So uh, it yeah. just happens to be that maybe Safe Hand is one of those things. But, you know, we probably would have got maybe a Kremling in this if he were to rewrite the prelude today. Assuming yeah, like, the sleepless mm. are huge, right? Like we'd probably get some sort of Kremlin uh, description. Possibly. Yeah, it's like, and the Kremlin scuttered along the <laughs> yeah. the rock face, and then moving on. Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, another thing I forgot about in this prelude is I forgot mm. that uh, Jezrian was king of the heralds. Like I totally forgot. And uh, they talk about he hadn't worn a crown in centuries. His royal manner lingered. Uh, d- why do you think he stopped wearing the crown? seems like a good look Mm, yeah actually that's a um that's a something i've totally missed um yeah i've stumped christian with a mediocre (laughs) yeah yeah he stopped wearing the crown because like we do have official depictions of the heralds Mm -hmm. um and i think in your edition in the inside covers do you get them yeah well there's like these colored amazing paintings of the heralds and yezrian's one has a he does have a um crown on perhaps look the people that are existing in roshar 4500 years ago uh i think they're like bronze age um societies they've Mm -hmm. they don't have um much going for them in terms of um resources and technology and perhaps Jazrian just wanted to keep it down to earth. I mean, it's already insane what they can do. Do we need to have the crown as well? Is that just flaunting it a bit too much? Or it's just that they haven't had to appear for a desolation in a long time. And yeah. 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 And I do think, by the way, you're correct that it's Bronze Age because there's a description here that says men in primitive wraps carrying spears topped by bronze heads Mm. juxtaposed between them where others in gleaming plate armor. One group walked past four men in their ragged tan skins or shoddy leather, joining a powerful figure in beautiful silver plate. Amazingly intricate. Such a contrast. And of course, he's talking about the radiance radiance backup team for the heralds basically yeah which is really interesting because like you know we get that right out the gate that there's there's kind of like two tiers uh Mm. and then you know and then yezrian says um it is yezrian right jezrian yezrian i don't know to be honest i'm gonna go with yezrian because it's yasna yeah 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 um he says they have the radiance. That will be enough. Kallik shook his head. He will not remain bound by this. The enemy, he will find a way around it. You know he will. Uh, mm. Which, by the way, is really great in the prologue because now I want to know who he, the enemy, is. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, you know, we get the radiance right out, right out of the gate. And this series, in a lot of ways, at least this first arc, has been about the radiance coming back. Yes, the return of the radiance. And we... You know, this is a lot to take in. There's no way when you read this for the first time, you get all that. Um, mm-hmm. But it does come up again through Dalinar's visions. You see s- scenes similar to this um, where the Radiants are coming down to um, help the common folk in a time of need and during a desolation. And um, they're kind of right that the enemy being Odium 
um, will find a way around this. So they're basically saying, leave Talon. He's going to hold in the Oath Pack. He'll just keep um, getting tortured um, and we're done. We can't keep doing this anymore. And of course we, well, there's, there's a whole lot of conjecture whether Talon breaks, but I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. If you need a quick refresher, the Heralds go, once they die, they go get tortured at this um, separate planet. No need to really go too much into that at the moment, but if they break, desolations begin, end of the world stuff, and um, we've got to go back and save everyone. But they're like leaving one of their fellow men to carry the burden because they can't fight any longer. And they're worried that um, with just the Radiance left, that Odium's going to find a way around this. Yeah, and Calic uh, says, and in Talon, the flesh burning, the fires, the pain over and over and over. So, you know, we're seeing that the, the, they've broken, that yeah. they can't go back. And subject one of their own, you know, who I assume that they've been close to, to this is just a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a heck of a thing, man. It, it's brutal. And it kind of paints a very bleak picture. And, and the final line really got me and a great final line says, forgive us. Calic thought then left. Um, yeah. They're, they're and doing something the, terrible. Yeah. They, yeah. They, and they know it. It just shows how dire the situation is that if they're at this point and they're willing to, do that to our beloved friend and comrade it's it, it they're at their last straw basically mm-hmm. and it kind of starts this spiral that the heralds will then go through from this point into madness because every herald we see is quite unhinged and not mentally stable from this point onwards so was it the right move probably not but will we have the stormlight archive without it probably not so, and can yeah. you blame people for being tortured over and over and over? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, you know, tough, tough position to be in. And uh, they think that the cycles might stop, but we know that that is not the case. But the crazy thing is, is that in the next episode, when we're going over the prologue, mm. we're going to have some heralds in there too, that you might not know about, uh, which oh, is yeah. you know a little foreshadowing for the next episode. But uh, were there any other big thoughts that you had for this prelude? Um, well, there are not super big. There are just a couple of cool things we do see that show up later in Oathbringer. Whoops. There are a couple of other things we end up seeing down in Oathbringer. We do see the corpse of a Thunderclast. Um, so we kind of just see that these are really cyclical events because mm-hmm. it really, if you threw in this description of the battlefield at the end of Oathbringer, it would fit in perfectly. You know, you would have no law inconsistencies beyond the heralds being there. It's just the way things are rolling on this planet. So it's very well thought out. It's, he knew exactly what would be there, how it was going to go. Um, but it kind of, my, my one question is why is this the prelude to the entire 10 book series? That's my question mm-hmm. because this struggle with odium feels like it's reaching a bit of a head in the fifth book. So my question is how, if he's, if he's laying out the 10 books with this chapter, what parts of this are going to apply to book six to 10? That's my biggest question mark here when I'm reading it. Do you want to know what I think? 
Yeah, what do you think, man? Of course you do. That's why we're doing the podcast. Uh, Actually, no, I don't want to know what you think. (laughs) Thank you all for watching. No, go ahead. We see, um, so there's there's two things. One, we see a big sacrifice being made that might Mm. not even be a willing sacrifice. It's not a willing sacrifice. Mm. Could we see that again to to push back Odium in whatever he's going to accomplish in book five? The other idea is the inverse of this. So instead of risking at all, are basically risking one life to save many, which is exactly what's happening here in in this prelude. Mm. Is our chance that someone is going to sacrifice everyone for the good of one person? Could that happen? Wow! Now that's yeah, that's huge. There we are reaching a. a it feels like we're reaching a similar point in book five, where the characters as we know them are going to be changed or even take up the mantle as heralds. There's a lot of theories going around that a lot of these main characters we're attached to and following in this first half of the Stormlight Archive will become the next generation of heralds, um, namely Kaladin. Um, Or even Kaladin taking up a shard, which is an even huge, uh, even bigger thing, but not out of the realm of possibility now that um, Taravangian is straight up odium. (laughs) That's what's exciting about this series. Sanderson isn't afraid to just take up uh take a regular good old um rosharian and throw him up to godhood and play around with that so where i would if you told me that in this book kaladin could become a god i would probably be very skeptical yes now we're in the now we're in the place where yeah you could rewrite this chapter or a similar chapter to it with our main characters mm-hmm. um, yeah it's interesting. There's a lot to there's a lot to think about, but it is a very short chapter. It just sets up, I think, the cycle of Rosha and how this society works. And it's the classic trope of fantasy of these things definitely existed. Um, and when you cut to present day, people are like, ah, oh, yes, the myth. You know, it's the White Walkers. It's the um, Grumpkins. It's the existential you know? threat that is being ignored by a more privileged society that is in the future who has other things to worry about, like the Shattered Plains and and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tale all this time. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's so much better that it's from... What I do really love about it is that the Heralds are still around. That's the best part. They're not not, um, gone. They're not unimportant in the series. They show up many a time in the future chapters, and they are still impacting events to a massive degree. To what ends is uh, for us to discuss, I suppose. Yeah, and and also they tried to kind of run from their role and the Oath Pact, but they can't help but to ripple effects throughout all of this yeah and what's um what is consistent with the herald's madness which i suppose we'll talk about a bit more next episode is they tend to go inverse to how they were as a herald so each of the heralds kind of have an order or like let's just say a theme to them and um that theme gets kind of twisted on its head in the present day for example nail was the herald of justice and now he's obsessed with law and like paperwork and the intricacies of like um, the law, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And where Kalak was, I'm supposing, quite brave and regal. Now he's very skittish and paranoid and unsure and not trusting. So mm-hmm. 
it's again one of the only times or the only time we see the heralds in their prime and we can kind of make a comparative judgment and um sanderson has said there sanderson has teased that there is something magical to do with their um twist into madness it's not just that they've been alive for thousands of years it is there may be some sort of magic element to it so they might be being manipulated possibly yeah yeah exactly because the oath pact is a the oath pact actually has let's not it, it is a real thing there is like a physical component to it so once that is broken it actually has an effect um Ooh. so potentially that oath pact had an effect on their mental health and they're like operating like functioning at a normal level and once they broke it some sort of i don't know script in the oath pact has been meddled with and they've gone off off character or something wow yeah I mean, that's some major stuff and, and i know uh yeah, again next week when we're talking about the prologue is a prologue is when things get dicey uh yeah. you know, <laughs> crazy stuff in there but you know we're gonna be talking about some of these uh dark spheres and orbs and stuff and maybe spren who were manipulated or possibly captured or destroyed way back when um and and how that relates to the partiality who knows maybe there's some ancient spren we don't know about that have to do with mm. the heralds as well that now might- that you mentioned that there's a distinct lack of spren in this chapter there is (laughs) that's that has never occurred to me and unless i'm missing something obvious that feels a little weird that there's it does feel weird because even though this is 4500 years ago we've kind of just come to the conclusion this is how the world works but there is not a single spren mentioned in the prelude but there are definitely multiple spren mentioned in just the following prologue yeah and we know that um basically the way the radiance work they need to uh, like you need to have bonded a spren and yeah. the shard blade and everything is comprised of spren so yeah where are they why yeah what why <laughs> this is this is unscripted an unscripted revelation why are they no spren in the prelude hmm. that is very interesting is it an oversight or are we on to something here folks definitely not an oversight sando the Sandman would never he would never i don't know christian he shaved his head (laughs) oh he's bald he's not really it's bald cap but he's he's uh really taking on the role of zeth and and really getting into uh, method writing apparently yeah yeah oh i didn't realize it was a bald cap until we did the zoom in but yeah i have no idea what this new edition of sanderson means for us but that's something i'm going to think about the spren i'll get back to you next week for that because if i start thinking about it now we'll have about 20 minutes of silence <laughs> you gotta that's go into the think tank. okay yeah <laughs> yeah well i i love this preload did you have anything else to add no i don't think so mate if we if anything comes up and if you have any feedback to things that we have missed, please let us know because mm-hmm. whilst we read these chapters with a careful, considered eye, we they're so dense with information. There are things we'll definitely miss. And it's been a minute since we've been back in this world. What about you? Uh, I just really like all the little hints and, you know, reading it for, you know, the second time now, it's definitely one of those things where I feel really comfortable reading it because I remember all the terminology and the world building stuff, um, at least for the most part, it's jogging my memory. But I do remember whenever I first read it, I was like, 
this feels epic like people mm. going back on an oath like oh no <laughs> you know and yeah. what is it? What, what are these things void bringers like what is that <laughs> and uh, you know uh what are the knights radiant it's just so many questions that come up and now we get to ask the deeper questions on a reread and that's why this is so much fun yeah he really even if you have no idea about the terminology and all of all of those details you're right he does set he does set this, the the tone of the series, the scale of it, and the severity of um, what these characters are doing. Yes, and like you said, there's so many question marks, so many things you're wanting to find out as you read this first book. So, yeah, it's straightforward with a few little hints here and there. Um, but I think that's about it for this one. I think so. And, uh, you know, folks, we will be doing chapter by chapter analysis, but we'll also maybe be doing little segments where we dive into maybe a location in Roshar or maybe a piece of theory that we have. Uh, and we'll also be covering any new Stormlight news. Like as of recording this, Sanderson has announced that he's right around 50% complete with Stormlight 5. So he's on schedule, which is great to hear. It's going to be a chunky book um, and we're looking forward to it but you're going to get chapter by chapter analysis theory all that good stuff here on lost and roshar and uh you know we are excited yeah starting something new is exciting it's good to do something fresh and the nature of this show is definitely fluid we have a skeleton we have a bit of a scaffold but it will change as we go along and as we chat and think of ideas and theories i'm sure we'll figure out how we're going to run these episodes but the chapter by chapter um schedule will be constant and yes. uh, we'll be getting through the way of kings one or two chapters at a time depending on the size and intricacy of the chapter we'll probably aim for two a week i'd say yeah i definitely agree and with that i guess we'll wrap it up thank you guys always for accompanying us on this episode of lost in rosha Remember, the most important chapter a man can read is the next one. We'll see you next week to dive into the iconic prologue of The Way of Kings. And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, be sure to leave us a review on whichever platform you listen to us on for podcasting. And we'll see you next time on Lost in Roshar. And remember to cover that safe hand. (laughs) 